This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels and Maxwell Bogue. Hi, everyone. My name is Joris Peels, and this is another episode of the 3D Pod. And with me, as always, is Maxwell Vogue. Hey, Max, how you doing? I'm good, Joris. How you doing today? I'm okay, okay. My my voice is a bit short because I'm at AM Forum in Berlin, and I, I spent two days talking to everyone. And uh, so, yeah, I can't, uh, you know, the, the my voice is, is gone to hell, but apart from that, everything's okay. How's the AM Forum going? Oh, it was good. It was a good event. I had a, a sustainability panel, went really well, and besides that, I met a lot of people and a lot of new people for me, and uh, so it's, it's a really good event. I really liked it. About 800 people, mostly industry, nearly everyone in the industry, uh, not a lot of like floor shop floor people, not a lot of super management people, kind of the, 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 the everybody in between kind of, um, and yeah, it was really helpful. A lot of good technical discussions, so I'm really happy with that. That's cool. And who do we have on the podcast today? Today, uh, we're going to be jumping down into uh, the wonderful, exciting world of 3D printed construction. And essentially, like, we're going to be... Finally! (laughs) We've looked at 3D 3D printed construction in a long time. And the reason I think we we haven't had a lot of uh, people with 3D printed construction on here is it's because it's... It's it's a jungle out there, and the reason for that is that it's a new market and everything's new. So we don't have that many, uh, you know, established companies. We don't really know where it's going. We don't have we have a lot of people who are super optimistic, um, and have no reservations. And 3D printing construction is going to conquer the world. Uh, and we've been a little bit reticent in having a lot of uh, construction people on. But I was really captivated what what uh, our guest is doing. Uh, our guest today uh, uh, is Natalie Wadley, and she's a part of Changemaker 3D. Uh, they're a UK-based uh, company. Their idea really is to build a lot of 3D-printed stuff, but not only houses. And they're really looking at looking at 3D build, uh, printing, for example, infrastructure and casements and all sorts of other kind of things. And they're also kind of looking at this from a kind of like how to help people and how to implement this technology kind of way. So they have a different kind of – they're not selling a machine. They're trying to get projects, and they're trying to get things built. So I thought that was really interesting, and I really love what they're doing uh, at Changemaker. So – I thought uh, that, that Natalie would make a really good guest. So welcome to the show, Natalie. Thank you very much, uh, both of you. It's uh, it's brilliant to be part of the podcast. And um, thank you for the intro. It's uh, As you say, it's a really exciting emerging space, um, one that we're super passionate about and uh, really good to be able to talk to you about some of the work we're doing uh, in the UK and particularly focusing on... Um, like you say, you know, where we can have the most sustainable impact, where we see the technology really um, being able to add value and uh, and also how we can how we can help tackle equality as well. You know, how we can get local people trained up in in skills and, and jobs for the future, which is a huge, huge opportunity right now in the UK. So first of all, like you guys, when you well, you guys come at this kind of from a. A kind of more idealistic kind of bent, I think at least initially. I think would that would that be fair to say that or Yeah, so as you said, we're we're coming at this um as a as an integrator of the technology. So my husband and I set up the business back just over five years ago, really because we we were super excited about the sustainability and the social impact that that the, the technology can have. And across housing as well, you know, we, we spent the first couple of years really exploring what what could be done in the UK from a housing point of view. Um, the market wasn't quite ready then. We probably weren't quite ready. 
um, but definitely saw there was huge potential for for housing. And then that took us uh, through into infrastructure. It gave us an opportunity to pivot into rail, road and water. Uh, and we've spent the last couple of years in in rail and uh, water industry, particularly, really figuring out um, which which technology um, application, which you know whether it's gantry, whether it's mobile robots, different types of materials that are available, um, and special specialising in on a couple of key key um, technology providers to uh, to figure some of that out initially. What are the more promising? areas that you guys or that you've come away with from all of this is it is it concrete (laughs) you know is it just pouring concrete essentially or are we are we doing something even more the the opportunity in in infrastructure is to support productivity firstly you know that that's the real problem point you know sustainable productivity you know how can we get two of those things aligned you know previously it's you, you compromise compromise productivity for sustainability or vice versa and actually what we're seeing is that this technology the 3d construction printing has the potential and it's not it's not fully there yet you know and it won't be for for several years but it, it has the potential to bring together um the sustainable benefits and the productivity you know can can we print quicker can we print um, with less material? Can we reduce steel reinforcement? Could we minimize waste? Can we make sure that we think about the end of life as well? You know, the recycling element of that asset. So all of those things we've been really working, um, really working really hard over the last couple of years with our clients to to answer those questions and to find where that best fit is. And, and that's where print for structure was born. So print for structure is our, is our trademark. Um, it's the the service that we provide to the UK to deliver um, 3D concrete printing solutions, really. So w- whatever the um, the required s- function might be, whether it's you know we've, we focus mostly on the the, ro- the mobile robots to date, but we're seeing huge uptick in the gantry um, the gantry market as well. That's looking really exciting. So first of all, uh, okay, talk to us about this mobile versus gantry because the one is like one is essentially like a robot arm that comes to the construction site and the other is a gantry site or a gantry uh kind of installation that could be a construction site it could be somewhere else and like essentially there's like a third variant which is one of those two and then but it's actually off-site right and you transport the the uh the object to the yeah. site so it talks through these variants why, why would you pick one or what's the difference between one or the other well, our approach as a business um, has been to look at this really holistically. So when you work with the client, um, it's not just focusing in on, okay, what is the asset? You know, is it a retaining wall? Is it is it a chamber of some sort? What is it that needs to be printed? It, it, but we take a step back and say, okay, what is it being used for? What are the constraints of that construction site? What, um, you know, what, what challenges do the... Um, the general contractors face is it how quickly they need to get materials to site is it that they don't want as many lorries coming to and from that site there's all sorts of um allied factors that we take into consideration and it's that decision matrix that helps to inform whether it's an on-site or an off-site print and what i would say is that um you know there's definitely there's definitely assets where it's already efficient. It's already working well. You know, the precast market has spent 
many, many years really getting very effective at, at, at doing what it does. And and we're not we're not here to necessarily go head to head with precast. I think that's one of the things we would say. It's about finding the the added value assets where it might be complex geometries, for example. There might be lots of form work that needs to happen on site that starts to take time or it starts to add in lots of cost. And that's where you would then say, well, actually, there is some value in coming to site printing with a, a mobile robot or a gantry. And I think your second point about, you know, would it? why would you choose gantry or, or mobile robot? Again, part of that comes down to the asset you print in. Um, you're not realistically going to want to take a, you know a a gantry robot to site with the setup times the costs and things associated for quite a low value asset so you want to be doing something that it it makes commercial sense to to deploy all of that technology to site and it adds value to the overall program for the the um the, the end client but definitely um you know we're watching the housing the 3d housing market globally with real interest about how the how the gantry technology is really evolving how the materials are really evolving and you know we're seeing more and more refinement coming out in that space that we you know we think we can we can start to deploy into the uk in the coming uh, months and years and is it like because gantry to me sounds automatically perhaps better suited to really much larger objects because at one point you know you're going to have a lot of give on that arm or you're going to reach the maximum load capacity of that arm it just seems like gantry could be much better if you're really printing something huge or but then again, you could put a robot on a rail, right? So I don't know. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah I mean, this is the this is why the, the technology is so cool because you know you really can do so many different things with it. I would agree with you. Um, you know, gantry. If you're printing something larger, you know, like a house or like a large, um, you know, infrastructure item, you know, large chambers, whatever that might be, then yeah, you know, you you want to have this the um, the the footprint, the plate, um, the build plate, if you will, that allows for that um, to be printed either in one entire structure or in one or two component parts in that overall gantry system. The other side of gantry, which is quite interesting, is actually if you've got a lot of um, the same product that needs to be printed, you know, there's nothing to actually stop the company from having a, a production line, you know, within the gantry as well. Uh, you know, and, and having a process whereby you might be printing several smaller parts for that site, but it's quicker and easier to just set up once and print several times. Now, we've not done that ourselves, um, but we can definitely see where there would be some some circumstances where that would be certainly interesting as an approach. Can, can you give us some examples of, of what you guys have um, completed? If you can, I don't know what's private, what's public, but, you know. Are the- no, that's fine. So we've been um, we've been able to sort of publicly share over the last 18 months two of our projects with in the UK rail and water industry. So um, with a, a, a large water company um, called United Utilities, which are in the, the northwest of England, and we've printed a, a wastewater uh, chamber so part of the sewage um, the dirty water process cycle in the UK we've been able to look at printing a, um, a fairly small uh, chamber in terms of you know what can certainly the sizes they can go up to in, in that industry and we've also printed retaining walls on site for high speed two which is um, Europe's largest rail infrastructure uh, project and we've been printing temporary um, temporary walls with them uh, so we've we've but we've had a really good opportunity of of printing um, 
you know, both permanent structures like chambers and temp- temporary structures like um, walls. And for both of those, we've um, collaborated with and utilised Cybe construction for both their robots and their material. And what was the reason to 3D print these versus using a traditional method? Was there an advantage that attracted? The, yeah. yeah. So the advantage with the water chamber was that we could actually take quite a lot of steps out of the construction process. So it was quite manual. You know, you had to um, build the base base lab, then you'd get the precast walls, then you'd send people inside the, the, the chamber and they'd be putting in different shuttering to create different sections of the chamber. Um, so there was, you know, there was people working in confined space. There were more steps in the process. Um, and with the design that we were able to take forward, we could print the wall in one structure, um, which did away with the need for people working in confined spaces um, and also with, um, you know, speeding the process up as well. So uh, Cybe actually printed that in the, in the Netherlands on our behalf because it was just coming out of uh, COVID and, you know, international travel and things were still limited. And um, they printed it, I think it was in about three and a half hours. So, you know, it's it, it, there's definite advantages there to taking forward that concept. And we're, we're you know, we're going to continue to um, innovate and develop out those water chamber use cases in, in the near future in, in the water industry. And then likewise with, with rail, you know, it's really looking at there's so many retaining walls that are, are required across industry, you know, in all sorts of construction, that it seemed like a really sensible place to start with, um, you know, can can we print on site? Is it is it quicker or more efficient to have robots printing on site um, and, and trying to reduce down some of the additional work that might happen with, um, you know, with, with, with form work, essentially? And... You know, these are very much beginning stages for us. You know, these are these are clients who um, who very much are um, keen to innovate and keen to support the innovations and understand how to gain more efficiencies and more benefits from from the process as we go forward. Let's talk a little bit about these advantages, like just general. Well, I like first of all the temporary structures. Like, is that a big thing? This temporary structures printing temporary structures is just an easy thing for you guys to get started with, or is there just this whole temporary structure three like three D printing thing that I I completely didn't know about think about like printing temporary structures? Like, why would that be advantageous? That that that, that that's yeah. really interesting. So two things: one, temporary works um, have, in some cases, they have uh, lower design require design standard requirements. Um, different life expectancy, different performance criteria, which um, are seen to be lower lower risk items to start working on. So really, it's about de-risking the technology and um, and starting with temporary structures is um, in some industries is the right place to start. And very often, um, you know, the enabling works or the temporary works, as it's referred to, can be very very expensive and can take a, a large a proportion of time on the program before you even get to the permanent work that you're there to do in the first place. So there is a real opportunity, um, you know, globally, but particularly we're seeing in the UK for print infrastructure to support the efficiencies of temporary works. Okay, and, and then another thing that's related to that, of course, is then form work, right? Because so vaguely, yeah. I know nothing about construction. Vaguely, this is like the the wood stuff 
that they they make beforehand before they conquered it, right? Essentially, or yeah, you have to create um, you know, you have to create a, a case, if you will, to um, house the concrete when it's poured, and that's either typically in the UK that's done in a couple of ways. It's either done off-site in a precast mould, um, or it's done on-site with uh, wood shuttering or similar. Those shutterings and things are often um, disposed of they're no longer needed so you've got the need to um you, know, you can potentially look at reducing some waste there as well and cost and time you know i don't think it's as i say we you know i, I wouldn't want to sit here today and say we've um you know we've got the most efficient cost effective model of course we don't um but we do have a lot more understanding and a lot more insight now around um where we can start to add value in that process but it's often cited i mean when we look at these things so first of all let's talk a little bit about this costing thing because i think it's important because a lot of people see these videos like we printed a 3d printed house in 24 hours for ten thousand dollars and that kind of stuff so i think a lot of people are getting a wrong impression here but typically we could say that on this farm work that's one of the areas where we really can there are huge cost advantages potentially right i agree with you that we need to be as transparent as we can about um, as an industry as a 3d industry about reporting um, costs and uh, advantages and also be transparent about where there are still challenges as well and where there are things that are um, do need to, to improve um, I don't know I, I can't really comment on sort of the what other people put out there to be honest about um, their own projects because I don't have enough detail on them but I do think that there is a lot around the process that still takes time you know, we still had to take time to set up the robot. We still had to take time to, um, in this instant with the uh, with the retaining walls, you know, we had to have base labs and they were traditionally manufactured. And you still have to allow the time for the concrete and things to dry. So even though it sets, you know, the, the side mortar is very, very quick setting. You know, if you have to do reinforcements or things like that, there are, you know, there are costs and time associated with that. But what you hope for overall is that you, you reduce down the overall construction process because you've, you know, you've made those marginal gains across lots of little areas on the process. A friend of mine works in construction in the UK, and I think the average age of the construction work in the UK every year gets older. And I think it's somewhere around like 49 or 50 years old at the moment or something like this, somewhere around that time. And so yeah. is that, that workforce thing, you didn't mention it, that, that is a huge issue for you guys, right? Huge. Uh, so we had a, a recent stat come out on this um, that we need 225,000 uh, new people into the industry by 2030. And you're absolutely right that aging workforce with the speed in which we can bring new young people in um, is, is a real challenge for us in the UK. And that's where um, our social value goals as a business come in, because we want to be um, developing our skills program for the UK we want to be able to offer digital construction uh, 3d construction printing um, as a as a recognized qualification and as a recognized job role a digital greener job role that we can um, in, you know create excitement around in in the industry and it'll do you know our hope is that it does two things one we really want to diversify our workforce we really want uh, more women, more underrepresented groups to connect with the industry. That's the first thing. And um, I'm very much a champion of women in construction and diversity in, in the workplace. So that's hugely important that we support that cause and and make some, um, some inroads in that area. 
And secondly, um, this is, you know, sometimes we get questioned about, uh, am I going to lose my job because all the robots are coming to site? And I think that what we're really trying to educate people on is where we do have people in the industry, let's, where we can redeploy them or where we can get robots to do some of the the labor that doesn't need to be done by a human then let's make the most of that let's really bring humans and robots together on on construction sites of the future and have that kind of cobiotic uh workspace and you know we're in a we're in a digital um generation you know our young people are first and foremost digital driven so the fact that they can get involved with digital construction we really really hope that that will start to inspire them in a different way about the industry. Uh, just one thing, like when you mentioned, you mentioned qualification, right? In the UK, that's like a, it's, like a, it's not just a random term, right? It's literally like, it's like an official job thing, right? It's like a official job grade or a job thing you can get, right? Or something like that. We want to develop that. So at the moment, we don't have a qualification for 3D construction printing. It's something that we as a company want to start to take forward with industry partners um, who who can help us to develop those qualifications and then start to deliver them alongside existing apprenticeships or as modules within apprenticeships in the UK. So you do do some house stuff, right? It, probably that because that's what everybody wants and everybody talks about. Or do you really see that the house printing also has a huge future? I think, so we started our journey um, as a business with housing. We spent the first couple of years uh, really working to understand what could be designed and printed in the UK. Um, again, collaboratively with um, with, with Cybe and our UK partners, um, Automatatio and Bailey Garner and Constructure. And we got really far down down the road. You know, we, we got the house design. We understood the pricing. We understood where we needed to, to go with that. Um, but we, we ran into the beginning of COVID. And that just meant that we had to, you know, the, the, the people that were coming to the table to help with that project, um, you know, we're just not in a position you know, in the housing space. They just weren't in a position to take. It was the wrong time. It became the wrong time and, and COVID impacted that massively. But it's very, very much still part of our future vision that we will move back into the housing space and, and not just permanent housing, but, um, you know, looking at the, the other end of the spectrum around homelessness as well and creating temporary solutions. We, we do have a, a housing need in the UK, um, typically 300,000 homes are needed, you know, to, to, to map that shortfall. And, you know, that means that there are people living, you know, without homes or inadequate, in inadequate homes. So we do still have those challenges. And we're very passionate still about finding a way back into that market to create some impact. And I think globally, we, we're just super proud of the whole, the whole sector, really, you know, every, every week, there's a new, a new building being printed or a new home that um, one of the leading companies is you know is taking forward and yes you know they're still in early stages yes there will be things that need to evolve um, but they're out there doing it you know they're out there innovating they're out there being passionate they're trying to find a, a better more sustainable solution for housing and I, I really really commend them for that because we know just how hard that is. Okay that's good but then, but then the, the more sustainable solution points to what uh, Max asked earlier, wait, okay, but concrete itself is, 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 yeah, it's, it's wondrous, right? It's a wondrous material, but at the same time, it's also terrible, right? It's like a third of the carbon footprint or something of that nature, right? It's the production of concrete. It's a fair question. It's a question um, that the industry asks a lot as well. And you're right. 
you know, that we're seeing a huge shift across not just 3D concrete printed materials, but concrete um, manufacturers, uh, material providers as a whole are now, you know, in a real race to low carbon, lower carbon materials. So there's a shift towards, you know, there's an, there's an understanding that concrete isn't going away. Um, for all the reasons you said at the beginning, it is actually a very durable product and it, and it does it does what it needs to do in, in major infrastructure. But how I think the question is, how do we do that with a lighter footprint? How do we do that more sustainably, more locally, more ethically? And for us as a company, you know, our selection process of using um, material uh, materials that we work with is that they they have to demonstrate lower carbon credentials. Um, they have to be considered a lower carbon material. The material we've used um, with with Cybe up to this point, um, you know, it doesn't have Portland cement in it, so um, it's it's a it's a more sustainable material, if you will, from that point of view. And then there's the second point around where you do have to use it. Okay, well, let's just use as little as possible, you know, and that's where we get the opportunity to design and print exactly where you need. So the aim with that is that you use less material. And also, can we design out using steel, you know, steel reinforcement? If, you know, we've we've seen with the water chamber that we were able to um, to reduce some of the steel reinforcement within that. And that obviously and, and steel is, is a massive contributor of carbon. For us, it's about looking at the holistic approach to sustainability. It's the steel, it's the concrete, it's how much we're using. It's being mindful of um the material credentials in the first place uh, and it's also being really mindful of what happens to that product at the end of its life cycle as well how how reusable is it you know can those material can those retaining walls be redeployed to another site or can we recycle them down into local aggregate to be utilized in the future so you know we take that very very centrally into all of our um, thinking and, and design process I, I get there's different types of concrete and I, are you guys for printing concrete? Do you have to use some specialized formulation, or is it really just kind of an off-the-shelf material? No, it's not off-the-shelf, and that's why um, you know we're seeing a lot of uh, focus in in the three D construction space on on lots of new materials coming into the market uh, because they are they do have to be quite uh, specialized. They have to set quickly but without without curing too quickly without cracking or um, without slumping so there is a, a very much a material science element in that we we don't manufacture material ourselves at this point um, but we certainly work with um, our you know our delivery partners our supply partners on understanding which are the most suitable materials not just from a sustainability point of view but also from a UK compliance point of view with with standards you know, with what, how comparative are these materials with um, traditional concrete strengths, for example, so that we can draw some comparisons and help to, you know, you talked about barriers earlier. One of the, one of the biggest barriers is that our, our 3D construction space isn't, um, isn't regulated as yet. So, you know, we're looking and we're looking to other design standards like existing concrete codes or, or similar to be able to, point towards as a reference for how we're designing and that's something that understandably the industry is taking certainly in the UK is really taking its time to be very thorough and get comfortable with that as a new material and a new process. 
Well, here's something that's really fascinating. It's always fascinating me is the fact that we have the Romans use concrete, right? And they use quick yeah. lime in it or something like this, or they do a little bit different yeah. than we do or something. And they have concrete structures that last for thousands of years. And no rebar. And the, no, and also, yeah, I, I, but that just, I, I, and apparently people didn't really understand this until recently or something like that. Can't we just do Roman concrete and have all this stuff last a lot longer? Or does that not work? Or I don't know. Is there a naive maybe? But No, no idea. Must be on my pay grade, Sorry. that one. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. And, and it also fascinates me, given how big uh, harmful concrete is in often cases, and how giant this industry is, there's no real alternative. Like there's aircrete, I think, which is like this material that, that you could form into bricks, lighter, and all this kind of stuff. There's some, but there's no nobody to, you know, there's all these startups being funded, like, you know, I'm uh, payments for left-handed people or whatever, and, and nobody's saying, like, let's fund a startup for a complete alternative to concrete, you know? Let's disrupt the concrete market. I think that's a brilliant, um, brilliant, brilliant challenge to anybody out there listening, really, about what could be done. I mean, we're seeing in, in the 3D material space, um, there are companies out there who are looking at using um, like hemp, for example, to go into the material. Um, we're seeing companies using recycled aggregates going in, which is, again, it doesn't it doesn't change that it's concrete, but it's a more sustain. You know, it begins its life more sustainably. Um, and we are seeing, you know, that there is an interest in bringing in different types of materials into the concrete mix itself, which can hopefully aim to reduce some of the um the you know the less environmentally friendly aspects of the concrete process you know and i think i think you know the concrete industry is recognizing in itself that um you know the that there is no option really you know we have to look more sustainably at the um the material process overall i'm just wondering like okay if we look at this process like how do you because if I was a regulator looking at and doing building safety, and all of a sudden somebody came with some crazy new process, I wouldn't exactly be like clamoring, like, yay, let's do this. I mean, how do you convince like these regulators, like and there's local ones and national ones, right? How do you convince them, or what do you have to do to convince them to, to kind of like to trust this new technology? Really, you have to go through the design process, and then you have to go through a full-scale build and testing and verification there is no shortcut to it there in the uk in our experience and that's where our clients have supported us with innovation funding to do that to design and print and test and validate the material um, and not just the material but the product itself that we've designed you know so we've had testing done on walls and we've you know we've done product testing on the chambers you know can they hold water for example do they do what we've designed them to do and it's really giving people um, the real world experience to see see the product and to verify it and test it. And in our experience, I, I don't know um, too much about you know other product acceptance globally, but I know in the UK that that really is the only route to getting this through is um, is building the industry trust through doing really. Yeah, I, th- I think that is true. I mean, I used to live in Eindhoven, and it's a city in Holland. We're kind of really careful with all these regulations and these things. And we had a, a, park, a parking garage at the airport kind of partially collapse because uh, of like some, some miscalculations in, in load bearing, and it was some new type of concrete. So it does happen, right? It can happen, this kind of stuff. So I, th- I do think it's good that they're being a bit difficult and they're being like kind of like uh, really careful with this before people like... um. Know, kind of rush in this you know and 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 the, the other thing is like what most of what we've seen so far is kind of single story 
how are you going to do multi-story or isn't that even like a, a really uh, you know something you're really clamoring for or not i think on your first point about standards um you're absolutely right i mean as as frustrating as it is you know we're a startup we want to run fast you know we want to get to the point of you know scaling this up and seeing the benefits of it and and getting it out there as business as usual but we balance that with um the the need for safety and um that's absolutely first and foremost and you know the british safety culture is um is world class you know for that reason that the way that we um undertake construction on sites the way that we build products and 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 take the time to check them is ultimately about people's safety in not just in the construction but in the use of whatever it is that's being put together as well and and i i completely stand by that if if it takes us two years to go through a process that then means we can roll out, then fine. At least we know that it's been really, really robustly checked and ver- verified by the industry. And your second point about size, um, I, I mean, we're looking, we're looking at this, we're looking out at the industry really um, with interest as well. You know, we're starting to see some uh you know two-story building um you know houses going up in in america and europe um and i i think cobod did a house in in germany i believe yeah um, they announced that a couple story. of weeks ago or something yeah 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 and so it's definitely happening um and i think that what we're really seeing and i think what we're about to see over the next two or three years is a massive acceleration of the technology capability you know i think the companies that are building the robots have been doing this now for for quite a few years and they're getting they're getting to refine the process as well and and they're getting to a really exciting point in the adoption of the technology and the innovation around it so we're super excited about it and and i think that you know it's only going to get more efficient and more accessible from here on in um so i've got no doubt that we'll be going you know the industry will go beyond two stories um you know and and the buildings will get bigger um and they'll get more exciting in terms of their um, architectural you know um, scope as well you know I think that's another really interesting point about the tech is we get a design freedom that we don't get with all you know so much with other technologies or other design build processes and it's what can that freedom you know unlock for for the future of housing and, and the way that people choose to to live and and function within their homes as well uh, so I think it's a hugely exciting area Okay, please don't tell the architects because I'm like, I'm, I, I'm like, I'm really worried about all these architects coming up with these kind of like Jetsons kind of like uh, structures, and that don't make sense. They just look really futuristic. Because don't we want, don't we want the house of the future? Isn't the most logical shape for these things just like a self-supporting kind of like dome? Isn't that what we just want, a, really? Or a cube. Just a cube, I George. A, <laughs> just a cube. <laughs> I think you're right. And I think that there's going to be, as you know, as always, there's going to be those real icon statements where it's going to be the wow factor on it. But you're right. You know, to get this technology out to the people who need housing the most, yeah, it needs to be simple. It needs to be efficient. It needs to be... Um, you know, accessible, pr- printed quickly, get in, get in and live in it quickly. You know, safety has to be first and foremost in there. Um, yeah, I agree with you that there's there's a place and time for the architects to go crazy, and there's a place and time for us to say, okay, let's just get a let's just get people into homes because that's what they need. Yeah, I just think it would be, it would be really much 
better if we just thought of actual like the practicality of it rather than come up with some whiz bang design, uh, especially if, yeah if you want to make affordable housing. But the one thing I'm yeah. super excited about is this infrastructure thing because yeah. we had a huge boom in Europe after the Marshall Plan, after the Second World War, everything was destroyed and or not everything depending on which country, and there was a huge building boom, right? of affordable houses and a lot of infrastructure, a lot of bridges, and a lot, and a lot of these affordable apartments and stuff have been taken down or replaced by other housing. Then there were successive yeah. booms in like the 70s and 80s where everybody was building these utopia housing estates from Le Corbusier and all these guys, and that didn't work. Uh, so these were taken down as well, but there's still a ton of this infrastructure everywhere. There's hundreds of bridges, hundreds of like uh, 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 all sorts of casements, all sorts of water infrastructure, but that's all crumbling, right? That's all. A lot of this stuff is end of life, right? You know, we take the infrastructure opportunity uh, really seriously. That you know, that's why we're focusing so closely on it in our own business because um, there's a massive opportunity for this technology to play a role in um, not just new infrastructure, but as you say, uh, regeneration of older infrastructure. And uh, I would completely agree with you. I think we've, you know, we've spent the last couple of years really understanding and getting to understand where to add value. So we're quite excited about the role that the UK can play in that in that opportunity, really, and um, and sharing that that uh, market with with other countries. And so, uh, apart from the stuff you've already done, or the stuff you've already done, that you can talk about, like like um, is. Uh, what are the because I'm I'm obsessed with these casement kind of type structures, these enclosed type of structures, and these these kind of things because there's a lot of variability in size here, and they're quite difficult to transport. They're they're quite huge usually and heavy. Uh, so I really am excited about it. Is that also what you're these kind of structures? That those are what you're excited about, or what else are you excited about? Do you know I'm excited about bringing together the sectors. So I would like to see a whole community place making homes skills. I would like to see all three of them come together because, you know, at the moment we're seeing them in silos. We're seeing people printing houses. We're seeing like us printing infrastructure. The real power of this is when we come together and we're printing whole communities. And and I know that that's, you know, that's aspirational. And of course there will be other things that are traditionally built within that space and will need to be. But how powerful is that to look in on a, future placemaking where you've got different robots, different materials, all working together with humans, with local people trained up with those skills to actually be empowered in, in building their own places of the future. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning. And I think that, um, you know, I think if we can get to that type of place, then, you know, we're, we're really doing something special with the, with the technology. Okay, well, that's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful sentiment, on, and to look at that, I think I think what you guys are doing are wonderful as an integrator as well. I mean, what have been the toughest things for you guys? What's been really difficult? Was it you know talking to local councils, trying to find the right supplier? What have been the real difficult things for you guys? Do you know the real difficult thing really has been um, the just cash flow, and it sounds a bit boring but, and and probably a bit obvious, <laughs> but we're. Uh, no, the we're a startup. We we self-funded our, our our journey with this, and then we we were got to a point where our clients could um you know could spend with us on projects. But UK's approach to investment is quite uh it's quite high risk at, um for early stage startups. So it's very very difficult to get any investors in board or any kind of funding in board at, at a super early stage it's not impossible but it's hard and 
you know, that's been a real challenge for us. We've, we're building a new market in the UK. You know, there is no 3D construction printing market. Um, so we, you know, we're, we're pushing those boundaries. We're a startup in that space that's, you know, really managing week by week, month by month on cash flow. You, all of those things make you super exciting, but super high risk for investors. Um, and so just, you know, quite honestly, without our client backing and without the industry funding for those projects uh, I think we may we may not have been here so that's been our, our biggest everything else around that you know you can work through you can work with the right people you can bring the the industry on a journey but if you can't get the money into the sector to keep going then it is all going to fall over and and for us we're um it's we've had to be really agile we've had to keep really on top of our overheads we've had to be really collaborative with how we approach projects and our delivery partners um, that I mentioned earlier have absolutely been fundamental in that with us. You know, they get it, they get the big picture. They want to be part of that solution. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, I just think that we're, we're not unique in that. There's a lot of um, startups in the UK that are, are doing amazing things, but are, you know, are struggling for, for cash flow for, for getting to that end point of, um, of being able to get over the line with investors. Yeah, I think that's just, I think time, timing is always like, if you would be too late, no one would ever give you money. And if you're too early, this is totally the struggle of someone who's early. We've seen this in additive as well. Yeah. And when you're creating a new industry, it's it's difficult to uh, get people on so board difficult. sometimes. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's super difficult. And, um, but what an opportunity, you know, and, and the early adopters is, you know, I don't know if that's a phrase you use where you guys are, but for yeah. us, we talk about early adopters in the uk yeah and um you know those that get it really get it and those that then want to take confidence from the early adopters are starting to just come on behind them and then the rest of the industry will follow and you know whatever we've got early adopters we've got opportunity and i think that's what we focus on and you know we're getting to a good place now we've done a lot of the hard work we've you know we've done the the, the real world printing um we've answered a lot of the questions around you know is this even a thing? Can you even print on the site or can you even make these assets? And yes, you can. Um, and we're, we're really, really excited about the, you know, 23 into 24 now and starting to scale up and go even further with our, with our plans. Okay. That's absolutely wonderful. Hey, Natalie, thank you so much for being on the show today. This is really great. And I think we learned a lot about uh, areas fairly new to us. Thank you both so much for having me. It's uh it's a great opportunity to talk about, you know, really honestly about the journey of 3D construction printing and um, and our role in it. So thank you both. And uh, yeah, Max, thanks for being here, man. Always, always fascinating time. Thank you, Joyce. And thank you for listening. This is another episode of the 3D Pod, and uh, have a great day. You've been listening to the 3D Pod. For more information on what you just heard or to subscribe, visit www.3dprint.com or follow us at 3dprint underscore com.